If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to John 14, 27, and Pastor Eddie was talking about gifts and giving away gifts. I want to, I want to give you a gift. Maybe I came all the way from Texas for this Christmas season just to try to offer you a gift, and I believe it's probably not the exclusive gift that's found in Jesus, but probably one of the most powerful definitions of who he is, especially in our world today and the way we live life today. This is probably the best gift you could get this entire Christmas season. I want to talk to you about peace in your home. Peace in your home. That means peace in you, peace in your marriage, peace with your children, peace when your children are struggling, peace with your extended relationships. Come on, this is the only time of the year where we invite people over that we would never go out to dinner with any other time. Yes, I said it in church. I'm a long way from home. I said that in our church and my wife said, our families might watch this online. Welcome if you're watching online. You can't say that, Jeff. I was like, well, it is true. I mean, comedy is really saying what nobody really wants to say, but they feel. I said, this is the only time of year we're going to have all these weird people come to our house that we would normally hang out with. Can I have an amen from the congregation? Anyway, your crazy uncle's coming over, and all those people are going to come. And I said, we can have peace. Peace in our homes. I grew up in Northeast Texas, and my mom was an intercessory prayer warrior. How many of y'all are thankful for the moms and grandmas that prayed us into the kingdom? Are you with me? You know, if your mom and your grandma are praying for you, you might as well just give up. Are you with me? Okay, so my mom was a prayer warrior. My dad was an engineer, a mechanical engineer had a pocket protector and mechanical pencils. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody like that. His phrase was, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. We had drafting tables in the house, you know, and so that's where I get my strategic side. And uh, I'm thankful for a home that wasn't perfect, but it had Jesus in it. If you have Jesus in your home, it's a difference maker. And so my parents weren't perfect. Everything wasn't perfect, but we did have Jesus And so at 12 years old at my church there, a little small church in Northeast Texas, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I like to say it took. I grew up in a church where, again, nowadays we wheel out the baptistry. We've got portable hot tubs. Our church, it had a big baptistry in the back, you know, had a mural. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We put people in that thing. We dunked you till you went under and you bubbled and you came up saying tithe and together we build. If you didn't say it, we held you down. That's the church I grew up in. Six months later, I was in my room. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He called me into ministry. I don't know how to explain it. I just came out into our family room. I had crocodile tears. I was crying. I said, Mom, Dad, I, I think I'm called to ministry. My mom said, Thank you, Jesus. I knew it. My dad said, Sit down, boy. We need to diagram this for a minute. Figure out how you're going to pay your bills. We don't know about all this. <laughs> but, but anyway, God, God had my number, and I, I went on to fulfill the things God had for my life. But I remember growing up, 
in my home, and I remember Christmas time. Some of you may remember it, and you know, you'd get these big wild imaginations about what you might get on Christmas, and usually your imagination was a whole lot bigger than the reality. And uh, I can remember when I got about driving age, I, I, I really believed this. I, I believed that I might get like a new car, like kids get today. My parents were old school. I mean, I, I thought maybe I'd come out in the driveway, and there, there there was a car with a bow on it, you know, and there it was. I mean, hallelujah. So I went to bed on Christmas Eve thinking, Santa's going to bring me a car. He didn't. He didn't. I had my dad's old pickup truck that I drove, three on the tree. Anybody old enough to remember that? Some of y'all don't. But anyway, I, I, just, I had that, just the old school vehicle, but... I would like to just have you think about it for a minute. What if, you see the commercials, what if this Christmas you walked out on Christmas and your spouse got you a brand new car? You're like, I'm into that. I'm into that. I mean, a Cadillac Escalade, a Tesla, I don't know, whatever your favorite is, some kind of nice, beautiful car. Well, you know what, if it happened and you got that new car... Here's what I know about it. As beautiful as a gift as it is, without you doing anything, if you left that car by itself, without doing anything to it, with no damage to it, without hurting it in any way, over time, it would deteriorate. You, you wouldn't have to do anything. A, a little while, the tires would rot and they would go flat. A little bit longer, you'd start to see some rust spots. Not long after that, you'd start having some other problems in the car. And before long, this thing would be absolutely useless. Rodents would move in, and it would actually be a dilapidated piece of junk. You say, why do you tell us that? The gift of peace that Jesus brought on Christmas you don't have to try to end up in a place where you have no peace in your home. You don't have to work at it. You don't even actually have to intentionally do something to steal it from your life or to rob it or destroy it. You just have to do nothing. You just have to do nothing. Just don't do anything intentional and chaos will come to your house. You didn't have to try to have a disagreement with your spouse. You don't have to try to have kids that end up having challenges and problems. You don't have to try to have fear when you go to bed. What if? What if? You don't have to try to worry about a medical issue in your life. I mean, today we've got the internet, so you can simply have a rash on your arm. By the time you're done looking at WebMD, you think you're going to die. You don't have to try. Because fear is what actually sells, and if it bleeds, it leads. So it's coming to your house. Fear all the time is getting fed to you. So you don't have to try to lose your peace. You just have to be human. You just have to be human. You say, okay, I, I got you. Well, well how does that uh, impact the Christmas story, and how does the Christmas story impact the peace 
at home, here's, here's a thought. I want to give you a couple of verses, John 14, but I, I want to also give you Jesus' birth announcement from Isaiah. I think you've already talked about that maybe here as a church. I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want you, though, to think about one thing for just a minute. Jesus at Christmas that we celebrate could have come any way any shape, any form, God is God by himself and could have done it any way he wanted to, but he sent Jesus into a family. He came into a home. He came into real relationships like we live in so we could have hope for our relationships. God himself came to us in a family. His birth announcement, though, says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. As I said, it's not the sum total of the recipe of all that is Jesus, because that's not able to be explained in human words, but one of the promises from his birth announcement is he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So that's a promise for you this Christmas. John 14, 27, though, I love Jesus' own words where he's about to leave and he doesn't just come from an introductory way as the Prince of Peace. He also leaves this earth telling his disciples and telling us, I leave with you peace. Look what it says in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I give you. You're like, why is that important? Because most things in our life that are valuable, we think we have to earn, we have to strive for, we have to obtain, we have to go get. No, 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 no. What you may be missing for peace at your house is not something that you don't have if you could find the right expert, if you could find the right information, if you could find, no, no, no. It's a gift. So actually what we have to do is learn how, which we're not always good at, receiving. It's a gift that I give to you, he says. I do not give it to you as the world gives. I love that. The world gives you some kind of temporary peace, some kind of pill that you take, some kind of drink that you drink, some kind of geographical location that you can get to. It's why we work so hard to go on vacation to get away from our anxiety, only to find that even though we're sitting under an umbrella, we're still afraid. And when we get home, all of the things we ran from have multiplied. Because he says, my peace is not a peace that is given to you as the world gives to you, it's a different kind of peace. Look what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why did he say don't let your heart be troubled? Because that's where your heart goes. That's how the car ends up without you doing anything. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Fear is the culprit. Do not be afraid. You have to work at not letting that fear Take control of your life and focusing yourself on the gift that is peace. I, I want to read it in the Amplified Bible just because I just like the, the commentary that it provides. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He says here in the Amplified, the commentary of it says perfect peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be afraid, but let my perfect peace peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage 
and strength for every challenge. Every challenge that you face. I've been thinking about peace this Christmas. I thought about peace as I came to prepare to share with you. As I began to pray for our time here this morning, I began to think about the multiplied things that you're dealing with and the things that you're facing. Maybe job-related, maybe family-related, maybe a kid that you're staying awake over, maybe something that you're facing. And I started thinking about peace, and recently I called a friend of mine who's walked through a bunch of challenges and circumstances and situations. And one of the things that I've been amazed as I've watched him is not that his circumstances have changed, but he's changed in a good way through the process of it. Walked through a health thing with his wife. Walked through a tragedy with one of his children. Walked through some pressures in his professional life. And I called him the other day and I said, I I see a difference in you. I said, tell me what you've learned through this process. And he said something that I see in these words from Jesus. He said, Jeff, here's something that I've learned. Sometimes God shows up. Sometimes Jesus shows up and calms the storm. Y'all know there are scriptures where Jesus would take his disciples intentionally into a storm, and the storm comes, and they're like, ah! And he's asleep taking a nap. Amazing. And the, the stories amaze me. He said, sometimes Jesus calms the storm, but sometimes in the storm, he calms you. Sometimes what you're facing right now, I, I don't know about you, but I found that God is always on time, but he's never early. <laughs> it's like, can you hurry up, Lord? I noticed a scripture on your hallway in here. All things are possible. Where, wherever, somewhere where they brought me, I saw the scripture. I thought, that's a po- all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God, but one thing I found is sometimes he's not moving real quick to change the impossible. He's changing me in the middle of what he's doing. So this peace can calm you in the midst of whatever you're facing. I I thought about that in in the group today and all of us, maybe someone even online, there's, 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 there's all of us are at different places with this let not your heart be troubled in receiving peace. Some of us, your peace is just a little distorted. It's a little bit clouded. You know, sometimes you're just like, I'm a little off. I'm just a little off. You know, it just happens sometimes. We're just like, it's just kind of eh. I'm just a little bit off. I, I got a message the other, other day. I preached on this in our church and I had a lady send a private message because she didn't want to put it on the public forum, but I didn't use her name, but I shared it publicly because she put it on the private forum, but it should have been on the public forum because this is where all of us live. She said, me and my husband argued all the way to church. Come on now. Y'all are trying to look real serious so as to not look guilty. The kids' choir can cause a divorce. Y'all know what I'm saying. You, who, you didn't curl her hair. Where is the sock? What happened? Get out of bed. What are you doing? Anybody live in real life like me? And it's just like, all the way to church, then you walk in. Praise the Lord. We'll have a holly jolly Christmas. She said we fought all the way to church, but... 
When you prayed for us for peace in our home, my husband just reached over and grabbed my hand, and we've been married for 27 years, and some things we've been facing has created tense situations in our marriage, and when he did that, he was just saying to me, we're going to get back to that place of peace. Sometimes it's just a little distorted or clouded, but sometimes you had peace in the past, but now it's gone. Did you know this is a staggering statistic? Staggering in my mind. I, I, don't, I haven't done all the research. Um, I, I did my dissertation recently. I spent the last two years studying empirical data related to homes and families and, and men in the home and how they serve their families and where some of the hang-ups are. And I, I didn't study this specific uh, statistic, but I did read it from a notable person who's done many, many hours of counseling, and I thought it was intriguing. And in my experience as a pastor, I believe it could actually be true. Tell me what you think. This, this, this person recently said in, in a note I read about marriages that 88% of the time when people get to the point of separation, 88% of the time the other party has no idea how bad it is. Can I tell you what I've experienced in almost... 30 years of working with people that I'll have someone in my office and their marriage is falling apart and maybe she's left or he's left or whatever's happened and they'll be like, I don't know what happened. It's amazing how the people that we are supposed to be the closest link to can be losing their peace and the enemy's robbing peace in our home and 88% of the time we don't even know how bad it is. The good news is, though, if you've lost your peace, that means you've had peace, so you at least know where to go to go back to get it. you got to go back to receiving it from the place you originally had it. But I want you to know there are some of you out there, you're like, I don't even understand. I just have a total absence of peace. I don't even know what you're talking about. The only peace I've had has been some kind of external feeling or some kind of external thing that I've experienced. I, I don't really know how to get to that place. You may have had a troubled home growing up. You, you may have lived with some internal struggle and you're just like, I don't, I don't know if what you're talking about is a reality. It's like my oldest, my daughter, she's been now married a year. Uh, Lauren is my third. I have my son in the middle. I have heard her sister, Hannah Grace. She's my responsible kid. Hannah Grace is the one she's blonde and Anyway, I'm sorry if you're blonde, but anyway, she, she, she drove off in a motorized vehicle. It was my first kid to leave the house in their own car. Some of you young families, if you haven't experienced that, you need to be at the altar getting your prayer life up because it'll, it'll mess up your peace, okay? And I'm like, this is not supposed to be happening. And so I'll never forget the day she drove off in a motorized vehicle. She drove off. I, I became my dad. I was on the front porch pacing. I had my shirt off. Don't picture it. But anyway, I was just like, oh, man, bring her back home safe. All of a sudden, she drove up out there, and she got out of her car. She's bebopping up the sidewalk, and, and, and I'm like, whoa, she made it back safe. And there she is. She's like, okay, I made it back. And I look, and she's missing her right front hubcap. So I ask her, Hannah Grace, where's your hubcap? I thought I would get an intelligent answer for someone who now is responsible enough to drive a motorized vehicle. She said to me something that really upped my prayer life. She said, Dad, 
What's a hubcap? <laughs> What's a hubcap? Wow, I have failed as a parent. You may be literally at the place she was. What? What? Peace? What's that? Can I tell you? It's one of the promises of Christmas in the person of Jesus. It doesn't have to be elusive. It doesn't have to be subjective. It doesn't have to be circumstantial. Very quickly, before we get really practical for a moment, before I pray for you, let me give you just a couple of Bible words for peace. Number one, Old Testament Hebrew, shalom. Some of you know that maybe. You maybe have seen the Chosen movies or some Bible movie and you realize it's a greeting, shalom. You may think like it's hello. No, no, actually, it's not just peace like we think of peace. Oh, that's a good feeling. No, no, actually, shalom is much deeper than that in Scripture. It literally has some pictures of itself of a wall that has holes that it's being filled. It's a better picture of the word peace is complete, Complete. There's a picture of shalom in Exodus. In Exodus, the picture of shalom is is one person owes another person money or owes the other person livestock. So maybe there's one sheep that is owed. Well, when the payback comes, you don't give back just the one sheep. You give back two. You're like, what is that the Bible trying to say to us? I'm here to tell you, when you learn how to tie into the peace that is Jesus, not the world's peace, you'll find when you get really get Jesus at the center of your marriage, you'll find it's not just one sheep good, it's better than you thought. It's better than you actually imagined. You, you, when I see God reconcile couples and reconcile families and reconcile children with their parents, the relationship is better than just meeting the need. It goes above and beyond. So that picture of shalom is more than the absence of conflict. It's really the precursor to reconciliation. And that's where you get the New Testament Greek word, arene. Arene actually is the picture of, of pure reconciliation and the fulfillment of the type and shadow that is found in the word shalom. It's where we get the picture in Ephesians 2 where the Bible says Jesus, he himself, is our erene. He is our peace. So you say, why do you say with such conviction that God could bring peace in my home, Jeff? Why do you say he could reconcile my family or my marriage or my relationship with my mother or the relationship with my mother-in-law or my broken situation? Because at the very heart of the word erene is the person of Jesus, which means the shalom picture of completeness now fully realized in the New Testament picture of reconciliation. That's ultimately, I don't know what you know about Jesus, but He didn't come to get us into a new type of religion. It's not, oh, I can now check I'm not of this religion, of this religion. He came to bring a different type of relationship between us and God. So we are unreconciled with God. That's why people come at Christmas time to church and it's like, well, oh man, I feel a little guilty. I I tell people the reason you come to church on Christmas or you invite your friends and family, which you guys should on Christmas Eve, bring all of them. This is one time where they might come. Don't, don't, don't. You yourself make the decision for them. Persuade them. Drag them. Trick them. 
tell them we're going out to dinner and bring them to church. And they go, man, I feel a little guilty. And a lot of times I tell people the reason you feel guilty is because you are guilty. You're unreconciled with God. The reason you feel like God's mad at you or he's separate from you or you have all these pictures of a God that you don't know is because you're not connected to him and there's broken fellowship. But the picture of peace is a reconciliation. Colossians 1.20 says, Through him he comes to reconcile himself all, to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Why? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Here's my thesis thought that I want you to really think about and walk away with, and that's this. Everybody wants the peace of God. In fact, I mean, whether it's neck massagers to pills to health, to vacations, to tranquil settings, to setting the right lighting, the right mood, the right smell, the right candle, the right whatever. We have apps now that we can just listen to waves. You know, maybe you go to bed to a bubbling brook. Uh, you know, it's like my wife turns that thing on. And it's like, it sounds like we're in the ocean. What is that? <sighs> looking for? Peace. Everybody wants the peace of God, but you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Until you have peace with God, you'll never experience the peace of God. A couple of questions you might ask, how do I experience peace with God? Well, it's found in this person, Jesus Christ. And the reason we struggle with it in our culture is it's hard for us to understand. It's hard to accept. Wait a minute. I don't have to do anything. I have to receive it. And we have a major cultural challenge that keeps us from the peace of God. And you know what it is? I've, I've ministered to three or four people recently. All of them, when I say, you want peace in your family. You want peace in your heart. You want peace with God. I, I, like, where are you at with Jesus? Here's their number one response, the American religion. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Did you know I'm a good person is going to send more people to hell than any other phrase in our current culture? We have a false biblical ideology that we're all basically good. We just need more information and we would respond properly. I asked one of the guys the other day, I said, well, you say you're good. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah. Well, you're a thief. Have you ever lied? Yeah. So you're a liar too. You know, the truth is when we say we're good, we're actually comparing ourselves to someone else, right? Not really measuring, I have stolen, I have lied. I, not even imagine the things I've thought. If anybody knew some of the evil things I've thought, much less the things I've done. That's why we have what we call imposter syndrome, because we got to act like we have it all together when inside we know we have a toxic deal. And it's like, I know I gotta, I'm good, but what I'm saying is I'm good in comparison to the bad people that I know, because we judge ourselves on our intentions and judge everybody else on their actions. Are you with me? That's why I recommend if you're going to have good person theology, it doesn't align with Jesus' story. I recommend getting a good heathen friend. Y'all do know there are people that are professional sinners, right? There are some people, even though they're lost, they're pretty decent people, but there's people who write the book on sin. Get you one of those because then you can always say to God, well, I'm not really that good, but I mean, he, he, he. 
So God's not comparing us to the worst person we know or the person that we define ourselves as. You can only be reconciled with God when you realize that there's been broken fellowship. How do we experience the peace of God? Here it is, Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule there in the Greek means the trophy. So let peace get the trophy. I wrote a book for men called The Way to Win. And here's the thesis. We get told in our culture, go for that trophy. Go for that trophy. If you put a group of people together in our culture, everybody's keeping score no matter how we pass out the trophies. And we have those in our mind. And you know the worst thing in life is not to have a a scorecard or a scoreboard that has less points than you thought, but to light up a scoreboard and realize you played the wrong game. You focused on the wrong thing. You know what is told to us right here in Colossians? Let peace get the trophy. Let peace get, because it doesn't matter if I close. I've sat on the deathbed of many people in many years of pastoral ministry. Can I give you all the inside scoop? You know what they're not talking about? Their 401k. The deal that they didn't close. The thing that's robbing their peace. They're not talking about their accolades or all the junk that they got stored up that their kids are going to sell in a garage sale. They're talking about peace in their relationships. So we should prioritize those things today. You're like, well, Jeff, give me some practical steps right here, and then I'm going to pray for you. First of all, to have peace with other people, you can't look to anybody else for affirmation, identity, and you can't look to them to be your source of peace. As your kids go through things and they're rocky and shaky, if they're your source of peace, you'll never be able to be their parent. They've got plenty of friends, but you won't be able to parent them. Let me say to some of you young families, it's very hard to discipline young children because discipline takes discipline. And the reason a lot of us don't is we're more concerned with their affirmation than training them up in the way they should go. Same thing happens as they get older. The same thing that happens in in the reason we have challenges in our other relationships is, I'll give you a trick this Christmas. When you go to the Christmas party or the family event, don't look for other people's affirmation. Be the affirmation giver. When you do that, you'll have more peace. I know you want to tell them about what happened in your business. They don't care. They want to talk about them. You know what everybody else wants to talk about? themselves. They're not our source of peace, so we can offer peace. Here's a few practical steps. Prioritize being righteous over being right. Talk about something that'll help your marriage. You can win the argument and lose the whole battle. I'm not, I'm speaking to you guys as sinners, not as myself as pastor. I've missed that one many times. Oh, I I won the argument, but peace went out the door. Think point of view. Had a gentleman in his work life share with me this. He said, this helped me this week. And one of the men that I was working with in my, in, I was managing, he said, this, he said, think point of view. I didn't think about that till you said it. Point of view is a phrase in the English language, which means I have the ability to come on this side of the table and see it from your perspective. If you can see it from their perspective, you can build a bridge to where they are. 
And this is how you can think, how does it feel to them? How does it look to them? Use phrases like, I hear you say. I understand why you feel this way. Did you know there's master's classes and all kinds of tips and tricks from secular psychologists today? And Jesus wrote the book on how to have peace with people. And this is what everyone, you know what we really need to do? Say, I hear you say. I hear you say. that. By the way, in family, the phrase, I'm sorry, will create a lot of peace. I mean, you, I got four kids, a church, a bunch of staff. I've become a professional apologizer. You're like, but they don't know what they're... No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let peace rule. Let peace be the trophy. Better than I'm sorry, though, is I hear you say. I think I'm hearing you say this. I, I can understand why you feel that way. Move towards win-win outcomes and avoid conversations that lead to win-lose. James 3 says, where there's strife and envy, there's every evil work. I have enough battles in my own family and raising children. By the way, pastoring a large church is child's play compared to raising children. But to raise a family, to have peace in the home. Let me tell you, in the world we live in today, that messages live your truth, have it your way. We live in a per the most personalized world that has ever been. I remember when my dad, we had a big Xena TV. Some of y'all don't remember this. It's three channels, 6, 7, and 12. We didn't have a remote. I was the remote. Jeff, get up and change the channel. And whatever he was watching, we were watching. When we go down the interstate right out of here today, we could drive by. And tonight, there's a Cadillac Escalade driving. looks like a mobile movie theater. You can watch all your streaming personal shows, all your personal music, and everything in our culture says, do what you want. Be, live your truth. It, you deserve to be happy. Those words are toxic to home and family. Toxic. James 3 says, where there's strife and envy, there's every evil work. Let me just tell you, I got enough battles with the devil. I don't want to be inviting him into my house. When strife is present, you're just opening the door saying, come on in. Come on in. I want to pray for peace in your home. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. And I want to pray over you and pray over your family and pray over your children and pray for all of you. And then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Eddie. I want to give you that gift. What about this Christmas? The gift is peace in your home. I want every person to bow their heads, no one looking around. You say, Pastor, I don't have peace with God. If you're here and you say, what do I do? Well, it's the best way to describe getting peace with God, reconciliation, salvation, whatever you want to call it, is really one word, surrender. Surrender. It's a gift. So right where you are, it's not about the big preacher words. It's just about you between you and Jesus. Jesus, I, I give you my life. And I want to receive your peace. I believe you died for me. You make it your words. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I want to make you my Jesus, not just a theory or an abstract concept. Come into my life. I've tried it. I've messed it up, Jesus. But I give you myself today. If you prayed that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you. Every head bowed. You say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Just slip your hand up so I can see it. I'm not going to call you for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else say, I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor? Anybody else? Thank you. 
Thank you, sir. Anyone else? So those of you that raised your hand, again, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to ask you, after this service or at some point, it's important that you do it quickly. You let Pastor Eddie know. You let Pastor Jermaine know. Let them know because now we want to help you now walk out your newfound faith. So you just connect with somebody. I know the devil's going to tell you, don't say anything to anybody. They already thought you were a Christian or this, or, or you, don't, you can't live up to this. Look, don't believe any of those lies. You got to tell somebody. Tell somebody after this service, hey, I prayed with Pastor Jeff, and I want to I get started in a new, new, new steps. Second of all, though, maybe God sent me. Just a crazy set of events that I'm in Sterling, Virginia. Just crazy, just that God have had me come here with Pastor Eddie and your congregation. And what God put on my heart is peace at your house. Maybe some of you have a prodigal that's away from God. I prayed for a guy the other day, came out of our service in his mid-50s with tears in his eyes. He said, Pastor, would you, would you pray for my prodigal? There's no pain like kid pain. Some of you may have come to church. The greatest stressor is you got a kid that's away from God. God heard your prayer. He hears your prayer. Maybe some of you here say, peace at my house. Would you just raise your hand if you say, pray for me, Pastor? Just I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to know. Sometimes as a step of faith, you pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. You're talking to me. Lord, I pray for these hands lifted. Lord, you see them. You see them by your Spirit. Lord, I agree with the prayer of a parent right now that has a prodigal. I thank you, Lord, that you're moving in that situation. Like we read in that prodigal son's story, he came to his senses. We're praying right now, your spirit is touching them. I pray for broken relationships, marriages, families. Lord, we thank you for peace. Peace. Jesus, you are our Irene. You are our peace. So we receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen.